You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Dustin Warford titled, Faith and Works, the Perfect Pair, which is part three from our James series. For more info, please visit creekside.org. I'm glad to be uh, continuing our series on James together, so you can open up your Bibles to James chapter 2. Now, if you're reading through ahead of time, uh, like I said, uh, James, we've said this a couple times, James gets right to the the point in a lot of things. There's not a lot of beating around the bush. He just says things, and often I find that when I read something in Scripture and I go, oh, I don't like that, usually means I'm not doing it and I need to focus on it more. (laughs) There's something that's really standing out. So today, I'm going to talk about something that actually, it's, I'm a little nervous to talk about this today. Um, I'm not nervous to be upfront talking. Now, my story of growing up, I'm number seven of 15 kids at home. So being around a crowd was just every day. No matter where you went, there's people all around. But I, I do, you know, I suffered from middle child syndrome, which was nobody looked at me then, so I have a job where you have to look at me now. So getting in front of a crowd, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. But what I found in James chapter two made me a little nervous to talk about. Um, Because this is something that theologians and other Christian scholars have argued about for hundreds of years. And here I am today talking to you about it in 30 minutes. Hundreds of years boiled down to one message. So so it's a little like I'm I'm walking a fine line between two things, and I'll unpack more of that as we get into it. But I'm I'm excited to go into it, but at the same time, um, it's, it's... I hope when you hear the words today that you feel encouraged. I don't want anyone to hear anything I say today and think that um, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to come down on anyone or anything. I just want us all to understand where James is coming from, where the word of God is coming from. And then when we leave here today, think, we can all think of something like, all right, now we can go do this because of what scripture says. Does that make sense? All right, sweet. So here we go. As we get going... I would like for you guys to fit these, finish these phrases. So if you look up on the screens, we'll have our first one up here. Peanut butter and? All right, yeah, things that go together very well. Scooby and? Shaggy. Fish and? Burgers and? Fries. I thought I heard one person last service yell, milkshakes. So that works, that works too. Popcorn and? Butter. And then the author of James, James, would add these ones. He would say, faith and chips. Well, there's a typo. (laughs) Faith and works, not faith and chips. James, you know, they had fishermen back then. He wanted fish and chips too. So faith and works. James chapter two talks about faith and works. So we're gonna unpack that a little bit today. But like I said, as we unpack it, you'll, we'll find that there's, there's two different sides to, to faith and works and how some people will say it's all about your faith. Some people will say it's all about your works. But I think when we really dive into James and we'll look up some other verses too, we'll see how those two pair perfectly together in our walk with Christ. It's not about saying one is more than the other. It's about saying how one encourages the other and one kind of gets the other one going in, in a practical way. And we'll, we'll look into that a little bit. But before I look into that, I want to just define the two words because I'm going to say faith a lot. I'm going to say works a lot. So make sure we're all on the same page with what we're talking about. So faith is defined as complete trust or confidence in someone to do something. 
So today when I talk about faith, I'm going to be referring to the complete confidence and trust in God because that is what James is referring to in his text when he brings about faith. So there's faith. Then we have works. So what are works? Works is the act of doing something based off of a conviction or belief. Now, we're going to see how those play out uh, specifically because they are debated about so, so much for the past couple hundreds, or for hundreds of years. Now, you'll find people often, when you talk about faith and works, and I've had discussions with this in Bible college, I've had discussions about this with um, fellow youth pastors or pastors in general, just, are we saved by works is a question that people will ask. And very often people will say, no, no, there's not. But then there's kind of more questions that, that follow that because people say that we're saved and we do things. So how do they tie together? Is there anything we can do to save ourselves from sin? But if not, then why do anything anyways? Or if we are already saved, is there something that we're supposed to do? And these are questions, like I said, people ask. Kids will ask questions. If you really want to be challenged to really dive in and understand something about Scripture, man, volunteer in children's ministry, those kids will ask you a question. You'll be like, wow, I have no idea. And that is sometimes can be such a basic question. But these deeper theological questions people have been debating about forever. If I'm saved, then do I just get to pull up a recliner, sit back, and watch everything unfold because I'm saved? So you may have people in that camp. Or you may have people that take it to the extreme on the other side. You have people that say, well, if I don't do something, then God will be disappointed in me. So I have to do things. I have to do them to prove that I have faith at all. To prove to God that I believe in him, I must accomplish X, Y, and Z. I have to go do these things or else. <laughs> or else. <clears throat> now, like I said, this is a riddle that people have struggled over, but I think the key to unpacking this riddle will really help us understand what it means to walk forward in our walk with Jesus, having him as the center of our walk. Now, there's a fine line of stressing to people the importance of being saved through grace, as we see in Scripture, and also doing things about it because we are saved through grace. Like I said, a very fine line, but we can unpack it. But before I even walk on that line, I want to make sure we all understand one thing together. The only thing that saves us is the blood of Jesus. I think scripture makes that very, very clear in many places. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that saves you. So knowing that, we can look into what James means when he says faith without action is dead. He says the saved live out their life and their works. Now, this tension is something I know I struggle with. I know some other people have struggled with. So let's unpack it a little bit and dive into James chapter two. We're going to start in verse 14 today. And I think as we read this, we'll understand this point. A faith that works is a faith that works. That sounds kind of redundant. Say it again. A faith that works is a faith that works. And we'll see what James means when I say that. Starting in verse 14, it says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accomplished by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. So, like I said, James getting right to the punch. He says, a faith without, <clears throat> without works, without action, faith by itself is dead. So what could he possibly mean? Faith without action is dead. Now, wrestling with this pairing, it might help us unpack what James is not saying. 
right? So James is not saying this. James is not saying that your works or the things that you do can save you. He never says that. What we see, and Paul reinforces this when he wrote the book Ephesians. Paul says this in Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 8. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I love this because we have, like I said, people can look at James and say, well, you're not saved if you don't do things. But then we have Paul over here saying, it's not about what you're doing. It's about just grace and, and your faith through grace and the blood of Jesus that has saved you. And it sounds like if you, take, if you look at one verse and look at the other, it sounds like they're total opposites. And you would think that Paul's preaching one thing and James is preaching the other. But in all actuality, when you read them in their context and how they play together, they pair together in an amazing, beautiful way. It's not about your works saving you because Paul says that. There's nothing you can do to save you. God did that. So no man can boast. Can you imagine if it wasn't up to God, if it really was up to you and what you wanted to do, or not wanted to do, but had to do? You wake up in the morning and go, all right, my be saved today checklist consists of, and you just go down the list, did it, did it, did it, did it. Save today, get on with life. What, I mean, you take God out of the equation is one thing, right? But then that would really put it all on you. And you would be saying, my salvation is mine, not God's. But Paul says it's not that. He says it is by grace through faith that you have been saved. But Paul doesn't stop there. At the end of that verse, he says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. It's, it's great when we see that because Paul immediately adds that in. Not only is he saying to do good works, but he says that God already prepared these things for you. It's like saying, it's like saying God knows everything or something like that, right? But, but saying that when you are saved, when, when you've given your life to Christ and you receive the forgiveness that only Jesus can offer, God says, great, I have things now. Not, not to get saved, that already happened, but because we're saved, because God is active and alive in us, there are things that we get to do. Like I emphasized that last week, things that we get to do. We were created in Christ to do good works that God so long ago planned for each and every one of us. So to, to clarify that too, our own works do not equal salvation. Make sure we understand all that. Only Jesus gives us our salvation. <clears throat> now, we, can, we see this a lot in scripture, the, the faith and works thing acting out because when Jesus picked his disciples, he went through some very awesome steps with them actually. So when he came to people, he would look at them and say, hey, follow me. And then often the scripture would say, and they left everything and followed him. Do you realize what's all in that one, that one line right there when they left everything and followed him? That's a whole lot of faith and action in one line right there. To, to have Jesus come and say, follow me, and then people would leave everything. It wasn't just a, hey, you're going to come with me and watch. They actually left things, and they participated in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus would go and do things. He would, he would perform miracles, and, and he would preach, and the disciples had front row seats to being active with Christ when he was doing it all. And that's great because from the get-go, we see that it's not something we just sit back and watch others do. Jesus said, you guys get to come and do this with me. There's action involved in walking out your faith. Peter and Andrew dropped everything and followed him and they got an amazing experience and ministry with Christ. But there were people that didn't quite do that as well. If you read through Mark chapter 10, we find a rich young ruler. Now this guy, 
the Bible says, comes up and he comes to Christ and he looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, I believe, what must I do? And Jesus says, leave all your riches and everything behind, leave it and follow me. Well, the guy didn't like hearing that. And he decided he didn't want to. And he doesn't. And he gets left behind. When I, when I say he gets left behind, what I mean is he actually chose to leave himself behind because he didn't want to do the action step that God had given him. So he missed out on an amazing experience because he said he had the faith. He said, like, I believe, let's go. Jesus said, do this. <laughs> no, thank you. You know, just change my mind. Nah, I like this instead. So he didn't act on something that God had called him to do. We see another man, Nicodemus in scripture. Now, when we see his story, he comes and he has some amazing conversations with Jesus. And when that conversation ends, we don't know exactly where Nicodemus stands, like what, what's going to happen with him. But then as you read through the rest of the story of Jesus, you see Nicodemus come back and you see that he did take action and his life was changed and he was actively doing things because of the faith that he had come to know in Christ. Also in miracles. Now, I love reading through the miracles in scripture, not only because they're just amazing to see what Jesus did and after Jesus rose again, what the disciples were able to go do through the power of God. But there's also something, if you look at miracles, you see there's action steps involved. So when Jesus did miracles in scripture, almost every time he would, there was almost like a pattern to what he did. He'd go to people and he would say, do you believe? He would ask them that question. Do you believe that this water can heal you? Do you believe in this? Do you want this? And people would say confidently, yes. Yes, they do. Yes, they wanted the healing. I, mean, I can't think of someone if, you know, who was going through something. If someone said, do you want this? If they would say no. But they would say yes. They had the faith. They believed that something could happen. And Jesus didn't just say, okay, it's done. He would say, get up. Get up and walk. Pick up your mat. Go wash your eyes. He would give them an action to do. So it's like Jesus was giving us from the get-go with, with him. He was like, all right, if you believe, act on it. Go do something. And when they would act on it, when they would go, whether it was going to, to bathe themselves or going to wash their eyes or just the act of getting up and rolling up your mat and walking out on your own, they would have to take that action step. And that was them. Their, they were acting on their faith that Jesus had already identified in with them. That act didn't save them, but it was a ministry to all those around of what they could do because of their faith. Now, when we think about it too, we actually do this a lot in our lives. When we want something, we act on it, even without thinking about it. Sometimes it's just second nature. You want something, you do something. You want something, you do something. So for those of us that, that have a job, I don't think there could be the rare instance, but I don't think one day you woke up and like, I'm employed. And you did nothing up to that point to get that job, right? You didn't just think, I would love to work there the next day. I have that job. It's amazing. Like there's, there's steps you have to do, right? What are some of those steps? The interview. We, we've got, you've got to make a resume. You've at least got to make a phone call, right? You've got to, you've got to apply for the job. So we, we see there's, there's things that we naturally do to take action for something. Um, some of us may be in a relationship. You're, you're married or you have a significant other. Again, chances are you didn't just wake up one day and go, I have a girlfriend. Or you didn't wake up and go, I have a, a spouse. Unless you were in Vegas, but we're not going to Vegas today. I know that happens there. But, but seriously, there, there are things that, there are action steps that you take, right? There's the first phone call. There's the love notes. There's the first date. There's the nights, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. You know, make everyone sick. And then someone walks in and just hangs up the phone. Right? There's actions involved. But nothing 
happens unless you, you take that action. There's something you act out because you believe something can happen. You believe there could be something here, so you act on it. No matter what your choice of action, if there's no work behind your feelings, you would never discover what was going to happen for that a relationship to unfold. <clears throat> now, James, <clears throat> we're going to go in a little bit more with him. James was dealing with, with a lot of stuff in Scripture, and specifically at a time where Christians were getting persecuted, but also he was frustrated that people were saying things and not doing things. And we're going to look into that because he, he says, again, another, another gut punch verse a little bit. But people argue that James and Paul were at odds, but I thought of a fun way we could do to kind of understand how they work together. So I, I told uh, David I was going to call him up here. David, where are you? Sitting over there. David Kirker, ladies and gentlemen, come on up here. All right. Your purpose is to stand here and look pretty. All right. There he goes. All right, so what I'd like to do, I got a bunch of post-its here. I would like us, oh, face the crowd, here we go. What I'd like us to do is, when you think of the works of a Christ follower, think, things that you think, all right, this person follows Christ, this person believes in Christ, these are things that they should probably go do. What are some of those things? And shout them out, but not too fast, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna write them down and stick, outreach, okay. Outreach, one for you there. Pray, read, we can, I, that means read the Bible, but I don't have time to write everything out. All right, so read, and read prayer, a discipleship. I'm sure you spell it right. I'm not worried about spelling right now. That's, camera can't pick it up, you know, tithe. That one's going to go right there. There we go. Love I heard. Love people, sweet. That's a good one. You listened last week, yes. Listen to your parents. You guys, sorry. Orphans and widows. All right. Parents, right there. And forgive. All right, I think we got a, we got enough on here. I'm sure we could we could keep going for a long time on lots of different things. We'll put that one over there. All right, so now we have our walking uh, post-it model of things we should do, some works we should do as Christians. Right? Um, no, nothing on here is, is bad. These are all these are all good things. Now, let me ask you this. When we look through what James and Paul are saying, I think there's some questions we can ask about the, the acts or works that we do. Now, could David do these things and not be a Christ follower? Yeah, he could, right? Yeah, David could listen to his parents. I hope you would. Um, he can, he can uh, take care of orphans and widows. He could, he could forgive people, absolutely. He could read the Bible. He could love people. These are things that people who aren't Christ followers, yeah, they could do it. It's, it's possible all the time that someone, um, someone could even come to church that's not a Christ follower. Someone uh, reading the Bible, there's, there's lots of people that don't believe in Christ that do read the Bible. They want to know what's in there. Now, I think the question is this. Do any of these things save David? No, right? None of these things save him. None of them make him... <clears throat> 
any pure, or none of them wash away any of his sins. Those are the works. And that's when I talk about people that think you have to do works or else. A lot of them, a lot of that kind of thinking will reinforce the thought of, if I don't do these things, then I'm not saved. So the question is this. Can David be a Christ follower and not do those things? Or can he be a Christ follower, should he be a Christ follower and not do those things? That's where we start to see the the faith and works and how they pair together. It's not the doing of things because I have to. It's the doing of things to show that God is, you're doing them because God is alive in you and you get to. Not because you have to, because you get to. Your faith prompts you into action. And that's how you show that it is alive. Now, James says this, and yep, stay here. Nope, stay. Don't leave. Don't leave. Not done. There's an embarrassing part coming up here, so just wait. <laughs> James chapter 2 says this Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Now, those are, those are tough words to swallow as a Christ follower because James just says it, faith without the action. So if we hear someone is struggling or we see someone struggling, I, th- I think often we can say the, the line, I'll pray for you. But then there's no action behind it. And now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not knocking prayer in any way, shape, or form. I think prayer is often the first thing we should do, and it's one of the first things we forget to do in, in times where we see something, not just for others, but for ourselves. It, it's something that is so often just put off the radar until the desperation moment comes when it's the Hail Mary prayer. Like, oh God, I need you now. But I think prayer is something that we forget to do. But at the same time, it can almost be something that, that I, I know I'm guilty of it, hearing something saying, oh man, I'm going to pray for you in that, but then I don't do anything about it. And it's almost like those are now just turned into empty words because I really didn't do something about it. And I know that we can't help everyone. You can have a seat actually if you want, David, for a minute. We can't help every person that we see or contribute to every cause that we see. But I do think there are people in our orbit. We talked last week about the, the orphans and widows. There are things that all of us have the ability to help with and do. Now there's a story you may have heard before and it says this. Once upon a time, there was an old man who used to go to the ocean to do his writing. He had a habit of walking on the beach every morning before he began his work. Early one morning, he was walking along the shore after a big storm had passed, and he found the vast beach littered with starfish as far as the eye could see, stretching in both directions. Off in the distance, the old man noticed a small boy approaching. As the boy walked, he paused every so often as he grew closer. The man could see that he was occasionally bending down to pick up an object and throw it into the sea. The boy came closer still, and the man called out, Good morning. May I ask what it is that you're doing? The young boy paused, looked up, and replied, Throwing starfish into the ocean. The tide had washed them up on the beach, and they can't return to the sea by themselves. When the sun gets high, they will die, unless I throw them back in the water. The old man replied, but there must be tens of thousands of starfish on this beach. I'm afraid you're not going to make much of a difference. The boy bent down, picked up another starfish, and threw it as far as he could into the ocean. Then he turned, smiled, and said, I made a difference to that one. (laughs) I think when we when we see what James is talking about in scripture, like I said, we can't help everyone, but we can do something to make a difference to the one. And when we make a difference to the one, I think that is a great example of putting our faith into our hands and our faith into our feet and letting our heart pour out because of what God has done for us. 
James 2.18 says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Okay, I need you to stand back up now. Here we go, just for you. Let's say you're driving down the street or walking down the street, and you encounter David on the street, and he's naked. (laughs) Sorry. How do we respond? Well, see, there's the response of, there's a response of, oh, I believe something's gonna, good's gonna happen for him, and then, you, and then you just go on with your day. Or there's a, there's a response of doing something, right? Give him clothes. You said not just clothes, you said dry clothes. It's always a bonus when they're dry clothes. <laughs> now, would, would you just tell him, you're driving the street, um, David, that's not appropriate. Please go take care of yourself. <clears throat> I would ask what you're doing if it was you, honestly. What is going on? But, but the hope is through the love and faith that we have in Christ, we can then act on what we know and show that love to somebody else. That's a work of our faith, when we act on what we know and then we show that love to somebody. Not because it saves us, but because it shows that Jesus is alive in us. And I think that's the biggest key for us today. Understand, your works don't save you, but they are evidence that Jesus is at work and alive in you. I, I'll say that again, because that when, when I was going through this, and I think that's such a point that, that I know I need to understand with my actions. Our works don't save you, but they are evidence that Jesus is at work and is alive in you. All right, David, you can start just shedding those, those post-it notes and let them fall amongst as they will. Now, as, as David throws those off, maybe something was said here that, that stood out to you, like, oh, I can do that. You can give David a hand. You can go have a seat now. Thanks. What? <laughs> I'll let you know after service if you got them all. But I think that these, these works, these are all amazing things, and bad things usually don't happen when we do those things, when we show people love, when we, we help feed the poor, we do outreach, 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 when we read our Bible. Bad things don't come from that, but I think that those are just tasks, but if we do them because of our faith, we let the love of God, we let God live in our hearts, and we act on that. At that point, those things become powerful, They become more powerful than we may even realize. The small act of doing something because you're showing the love of Jesus can mean the world to somebody else. And we talked a little bit about that last week, but just like these can mean the world to somebody else, the absence of these can mean the death of somebody else. I don't mean actual literal physical death, but I'm talking about the, the spiritual growing that we want to have in Christ, the love that we can show to somebody may not come to fruition the way that maybe God is working our hearts because we decided not to do something. But I believe the opposite is true as well. When we let God work in our hearts, that will produce actions, that will produce love, and we will get to work out our faith through our works. But that's, let's not stop there. I said a second ago that I believe James was a little frustrated with people, and he says that as we go through to verse 22. You see, we see that works are the evidence of faith in you, and James is saying that they work together. Now, he says this in verse 22, or verse 20 to 22. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Now, if you don't know the story of Abraham and Isaac, I'll give you a flyby real quick. In Genesis chapter 22, we have a man named Abraham, and God had promised him a 
a, a huge lineage. It said, you will have, your descendants will be more than the stars in the sky. And so that has to start with Abraham having a son. So God promises Abraham a son. Years go by, there's still no son. More years go by, there's still no son. Enough time goes by to where it's physically impossible for he and his wife to have kids. And then God gives him a son. When God steps in, it can only be a God moment. God gives him a son. Some time goes by. Abraham is over 100 years old at this point. Scholars believe his son is, if not an early teen, a young preteen. And God says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. Not the best news you'd get in the morning when you're praying to God, you know, but Abraham gets that. And Abraham is an incredible man of faith. And so he takes his son and he starts walking away to sacrifice his son. And Isaac asks him, you know, dad, where's the sacrifice? I can't imagine what's going through Abraham's head at this moment, but he says, God will provide. Brings him up to the top of the mountain, ties his son down to the altar. And he raises the knife. He's about to sacrifice his son. And then God steps in and stops him. And God provides an alternative sacrifice. But through that, God tells Abraham, now I know your heart. You see what God was showing Abraham there. I don't believe God didn't know Abraham's heart, but I believe this whole thing was done not just for Abraham, but for us to see there is action with faith and God is faithful. And when we trust in him, when we have him in our lives and we're letting him change our lives, there are things that we can do. And there's ways that we live out our faith instead of just words. It's not just words. Abraham let his faith move him into action and God took care of him for it. Now, on your note page, what I'd like you guys to do, maybe not right now, but just at some point on your notes, is uh, take a note down on how you can make this personal. Last week, we talked about how a uh, religion versus relationship, a relationship, one of the elements of it, is having a personal walk with God and how all of us can do something. So what I'd like you guys to do as you go through this week is find a way you can make this personal? What is a way, what is something God is calling me to do? Maybe it's one of these uh, post-its that we had littered all over David. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a prompting God had put on you to go do something. But I do believe every one of us can do something and not just to prove we have faith. Instead, it's not about proving we have faith. It's because we have faith and we let that move us into action. I think it would be great to get to a place in my life where my faith just became second nature to, to what I was doing. And it's just the, the love of my life just poured out and people saw Jesus because of the way it interacted. I think that's such a great way to let your faith do the talking for you. Um, I'm going to talk about Mexico again for a minute because it's, uh, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year and we leave on Saturday. But the, the team, when we go down there, I often think that the team, when they go, as much blessing as they are doing for people and going, we're going to, you know, like I said, build a house. We're going to do VBS. We're going to get a chance to really have fun with these people. I think God works in our hearts in an amazing way. And that is a fun way that we get to put our faith into action. I will say that in all the Mexico meetings and trips I've done, I've never had one person say, I'm going to Mexico to prove that I love Jesus. <laughs> no one's ever said it. But when we go, we get there and it's a, way, a very practical way for those of us that can make it, a way that we get to go and just show the love of Jesus. <clears throat> Again, it's faith and works working together. It's not faith without works. It's not works without faith. It is the beautiful dynamic pairing of faith and works. I wish I could have all the theologians for hundreds of years just listen to what I said and tell them that I was right and they were wrong. That would make me so happy. But um, again, if you, if you take anything away from today, take this. 
I said it before, but this, this is the point that I think that is, needs, we need to understand so clearly when it comes to faith and works and how James is communicating it. Works don't save us, but they are evidence that Jesus is at work and is alive in you. Amen? Amen. Would you all please stand with me this morning? Now, as, as, as Christ followers, I think that should... Uh, that should be, I know that's my prayer for myself, and I think that should be our prayer for us as Creekside. God, as we walk out our faith in you, what are ways that we get to act out our faith on you? Not to prove anything to anyone, not to prove anything to God. He knows your heart, but what are ways we get to live on our faith? And I believe that when we act those out, we're not only showing people the, the, the love of Jesus, we're putting our faith to our hands, our faith to our feet, and we're putting our faith in our heart. And like we said last week, that's what God wants more than anything. God wants your heart. And through our hearts can speak the words of Christ, can show the actions and the love of Christ. And that is the best way to show your faith to someone through showing them the love of Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for uh, this morning, and I, I thank you that you outline in Scripture this, this, this riddle for us with, with faith and works. And I ask for every person in here, God, what, whatever stirring in their heart, whatever stirring in our hearts, that you, you allow us to find what it is, how we, can, how we can act on our love for you. Not to be saved, not to get any more holy, not because it purifies us, but because it shows just our love for you. It shows that you are alive and active in us. We're not just bystanders sitting back and watching things go by, God. We are actively living out your heart and your words and your love for us and your people. So I ask today as we go, we find people we can share that to. We find people we can share you with. Even if we don't, we don't share you, we share a meal. We share love. And through that, God, we show people who you are and how you love them as well. So God, we give you today, we give you our hearts, and we give you all the praise. Thank you, we love you, and all of God's children said, amen.